The bards must drink and junk it. Hello, friends and strangers, and thank you for listening to Tomorrow We Die, a show about the trials and adventures that happen while touring as a working musician, told to you by people who have built their lives or portions of their lives around writing and playing the music that they love. We are your hosts. I'm John Wisniewski. And I'm Jeffrey McNulty. And every episode, we will bring you an interview with people who are out there day-to-day grinding against the many odds, only to play a show in a club with an inch of water. Yep. Just on the whole, floor. whole inch of water all yeah. the way around. Not in the sink. No. On the floor. <laughs> or the toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where it belongs. Yeah. Inch of water in the toilet would be a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> True. That would actually be worse. Still better than the floor. True. Um, we're back. It's been a while. It has been, but, mm-hmm. you know, we had shit to do. We were busy. You were doing some stuff. Yeah. What'd you do? Uh, well, um, my band finally put out an album. Yes, they did. Took like a year and a half for it to come out, as they do. Uh-huh. Um, you can go to githyanke at bandcamp.com yeah. and check the new record out. And we're doing a His Hero Is Gone cover comp, too, that should Ooh. come out at some point. Yeah. That was rad. Oh, and speaking of that, your new band. Yes, I have a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> was also busy. I, I finally released uh, my first ever solo project, which is an insanely bloated thing to say. But um, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, helped me, you helped me put it together. It was so much fun. Crazy, fast, wild synth metal. Yep. I don't know. Lots of vocal effects. Mm-hmm. It, sheer insanity. It's um, really good shit. And you also have a song on the His Heroes Gone comp. That's I do. That's kind of how it got kicked off, although that record hasn't come out yet. But it I will do. one day. This might be a excluse. This may be the first anyone's yeah. ever heard of it. Oh, actually, that's true. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, nuclearedudes.com or nuclearedudes.bandcamp.com. Um, you can hear my my first solo bullshit. Maybe we'll play some of our stuff at the end of the episode. Who knows? <laughs> if we have time. Only one way to find out, which is listen to the whole thing. All the way to the end. Don't pause <laughs> and then play it again just in case you missed it. Well, we should probably check in with our buddies over yeah. at Relapse yeah. Records. They've got quite a few things uh, that are coming out that are pretty rad. A few that are on strict rotation on my earbuds Absolutely. Lately. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since we did an episode, so, I mean, Relapse, they just pump out amazing shit all the time so we're in a fortunate position where we can like <laughs> cherry pick the best fruits of a bunch of delicious fruits there's a pre-order of temple of void summoning the slayer up right now yeah and we've got to listen to that and yeah. uh i'm stoked it's really good it's crazy epic death doom metal tons of atmosphere a lot of instrumental layers um, it kind of reminds me of like what it might sound like to bleed to death in a beautiful cathedral. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I know what that would sound like. Yeah, you slowly die, and mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this isn't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> the marble's cold, but it's fine. Yeah, kind of sad and exciting at the same time. Caven yeah. is back. Yeah, good old Caven, Boston rock metal. Depending on what period you got into them, True. coming back after the unfortunate death of Caleb Schofield, their old yeah. bass player. He passed in a car accident. It was very sad. Extremely talented musician. Um, always fucking loved his stage presence and just, you know, oh, yeah. musician's presence in that yeah. band. Currently being filled by Nate Newton of Converge, who's, you know, he's okay. <laughs> he's all right. <laughs> it's in good hands. Let's put it that way. I feel way. like if you're going to replace a bass player. You know. Yeah. Let's <laughs> call in your buddies in Converge. And- yeah. So far, what I've heard of it is awesome. It's definitely 
the I've only heard the singles that they've done on video yeah. so far, but it feels like a return to some of the more like aggressive rock metal and not quite as shoegazy, although yeah. I'm sure they have a ton yeah, of that. I'm I'm excited album. to hear it. It's been a long time since I've been yeah, it's killer. It, so. Yeah. Um something else that has been well, like I said, strict rotation for me is the new Absent in Body yeah. record. Yeah. Um, you know, I got the promo <laughs> release and uh, was doing sound at a club called the Substation for this industrial night. And I played it. <laughs> oh I started playing it in between <laughs> in between stuff. And I swear to God, in between every band, at least one person came up to me and was like, "What is this?" And I'm Dude, like, "Oh." It's- and the I'm, bands at that show must have just gone home in shame. Like, I mean, like, I mean, that's the thing is like you know, like they really had to bring it because yeah. you know, with a pedigree like that. Yeah, absent embodies uh, post metal experimental feels like art sludge. It's awesome. yeah. There's a little like god fleshy kind of stuff in there, but yeah. I like everything about it. I mean, it, the more I listen to it, the more I like it. Yeah, and you know, featuring Scott Kelly. Yeah, from and a little band called Neurosis. So. <laughs> Two great, two great vocals. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, oh, and not only that, but it's Igor Calavera from fucking Sepultura on yes. the drums on most of the time, and uh-huh. he, man, oh my god, he's so good. I'm such a huge fan of his. So, yeah, he lays back on it, and then when he hits it, you realize like, oh, that is that is the guy from Sepultura playing because uh, he can play anything <laughs> he wants, whatever he wants. Yes. <laughs> and then we'd be remiss not to mention the new author and Punisher. And it's true. Yeah. Uh, Author and Punisher's new album called Crueler out on Relapse. It's hard to describe. I, it's different. I mean, yeah. I feel like it's in the arc. Uh-huh. You know, it's the newest part of the arc of what he's been doing musically. But when I first heard it, I was like very pleasantly surprised. There's so much going on. Yep. You know, it's not just that straight, just like, you know, yep. like just clanging and gnarliness. Totally. Um, although, of course, that is part of it. Yeah. But I mean, to be able to branch out and have different vocalists and... Oh, yeah, a bunch of collaborators yeah, on this record. Just, and just to be honest, it's, it's just a gorgeous-sounding record. It's fucking yeah. gorgeous-sounding. Yeah, it's really, truly incredible. I, I've been a fan of all of his stuff for a long time, and this one is like, it's it's like you said, it's not like, oh, this one's better, or it's yeah. like, oh, it's different. It's just like, it's a weird evolution of his sound that is just, ah, it's delicious. It's a work of art, I believe. Yeah. I mean... If you this don't whole know, thing, it's an art project, yeah. <laughs> Author and Punisher, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, if you don't know, Author and Punisher is primarily a, a one-person sort of like industrial noise project with a lot of almost all handmade industrial noise instruments. Yeah, controllers are, of synths yeah, and it's like just a like mix steampunk. Of, His stuff kind of looks like the instruments from Dead Ringers that David Cronenberg made. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all like, <laughs> it's all gnarly and handmade yeah. and stuff. It's, it's such a cool mix of like analog and digital with like, it's all digital shit, but you're doing it physically. Yeah. It's phys- so cool. The, and it's all hand built and it makes noise and it's unlike His anything. live shows. Yeah. Every sh- I've seen him probably at least three times, and each one has been just mind-blowingly heavy and yeah. super fun to watch. Speaking of his instruments, he's actually launching Drone Machines, which is a line of open-source noise instruments that oh, he's had a hand idea. in making, and he's working on getting off- that off the ground. I-, I couldn't find much information about it right now, but I will give a quick plug to our buddy Conan Neutron. Mm-hmm who does our Stoned Cousin podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Protonic Reversal. <laughs> Protonic Reversal. He's got a great interview with Author and Punisher where they go deep into his whole process and his whole philosophy about digital music and everything. And he talks a lot about uh, oh, Man, how did I miss machines. that one? I'm listening to that tomorrow. Yeah, it's great. So go check that out. All right. That takes care of our boring plugs from our shitty sponsors. <laughs> oh, I hope you can hear that he's joking. Yeah, I mean, uh, clearly. And then we have someone that almost needs no introduction, although 
technically we do have to introduce him because, yeah. you know. I'm running it back. I don't think we've had like a literal legend on the show yet. No, I mean, we've got some up and coming legends, I feel like. Yeah. But yeah, no, no, a, li- a living legend and a uh, Seattle icon, in my opinion. Absolutely. All around nice guy, uh, Mr. Tad Doyle. Tad Doyle from the band Tad. Uh huh. And so many other projects. Um, and we'll totally get into this when we talk. But uh, yeah, if you don't know, Tad was one of the keystone bands of the Seattle sound yep. when, when Seattle music was literally world famous. When yep. people all over the world. We're getting tipped off to the music scene that was happening in our weird little city. Tad's band, Tad, was <laughs> was one of the keystone bands that yeah. was sort of elevated at the time. In my opinion, it was the big three, you know, and I did see Loser Fest, which was at the Moor back in, Jesus nice. Christ, was that 90? Yeah. I think it was 1990, and it was Mud Honey headlining and Tad, main support, and a little band called Nirvana opening up. Yeah. And I didn't know which record to buy because each band was sort of more gnarly than the next. <laughs> and and uh, it, at that point, Mud Honey actually did steal the show. So I went and bought the Mud Honey record from them, and then I bought Nirvana Bleach from them, and then I went back and got the tape of Away Santa yeah. at my record store because I could not get it. Oh, man, can we take just... I know we want to get to the interview, but can yeah. we take just a minute to appreciate Tad's fucking album titles? <laughs> like, there's... <laughs> Eight Way Santa, God's Balls. So, so much <laughs> smartness. And, and all that stuff where they, like, sort of, like, pigeonholed, like, oh, here's this big, you know, this bunch of big hairy guys. We're going to throw a chainsaw, you know, in yeah. his hand and stuff. And then you listen to him talk, and if you know him, you're like, oh, well, this guy is, you know, A, he's smarter than anybody else in the room. And uh, even when he's on not on stage, he's not loud at all. Oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like he's the exact opposite of his, you know, fake old school sub-pop tad persona. And that's just another reason. Why yeah, I love that guy. Well, hey, let's educate some people. Yeah. Let's play some Tad. Yeah, and we then, can always gush later at the yeah. end of the episode. Then we'll, we'll start More. our interview with Tad fucking Doyle, <laughs> Seattle legend. And we got to play some Brothers of the Sonic Clock.
Tad Doyle, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Yes, sir. It's fun. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. So Jeff and I know in great detail who you are and what you do. <laughs> Why don't you tell the other people who don't know you? Well, my name's Tad Doyle. I'm a musician that uh, got his start in Boise, Idaho, and played tuba for two years and then started playing drums. <laughs> yeah, tuba was miserable. I don't suggest it to anybody. <laughs> it's such a cool instrument, though. Yeah, it is. Actually, I still have it. It's down in the basement. Yeah, learned how to play drums. That was my big passion. And uh, then moved to Seattle from Boise with my band at the time. And then we broke up eventually after a couple of years, and I started playing guitar on my own. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that bass is just an extension of guitar, so I picked that up as well. Yeah, sure. Here we are today, many bands later. <laughs> and so what time frame was this? Oh, well, uh, let's see. Yeah, 67, I started playing <laughs> tuba. I'm not joking. Yes, I'm uh, ancient. <laughs> okay. And uh, I thought you meant in Seattle in 67. I'm like, no, I know he's not. No, 87. <laughs> 87 in Seattle. I'm sorry. Yes. Yeah. And so for anyone who's lived under a rock or wasn't born yet, late 80s, early 90s was Kind of a big deal in Seattle. It was a big deal. Big deal for me. <laughs> for the globe. <laughs> so yeah, you started TAD in Seattle in the late 80s. Yes. How long was it before you guys started playing until you basically like figured out a way to get in a van and go play some shows on the road? Well, we were very lucky to have a label that was supporting us right from the start, a label called Sub Pop. And nice. They uh, mm -hmm. we, <laughs> The little label Sub Pop. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> I still think of them as like that little little label, but they're like, apparently doing very yeah. well. Yep. So yeah, we recorded our first record after being together as a band for three months, and that wound up being God's wow. Balls. Nice. And then we went out on tour with a band from Caroline Records, a band called Pussy Galore. Oh, and shit. The deal was is that we were going to provide the back line for them, okay. and they would take us on tour. And they were just coming back from Japan, and they wanted to start the tour in Hoboken. So we got the Sub Pop van, oddly enough. Mm -hmm. Very nice uh, Ford Econoline. And I've driven that van. Yeah, it's, it's a great van. That's a legendary van, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Did they ever have more than one, or was it like one band van that sort of just got sent out to everybody? Well, initially, I think they had just one van, but I think they branched out, had some others. So we had to buy some bologna and some bread and mustard and a lot of beer and travel all the way from Seattle yeah. to Hoboken <laughs> before we even had a show. Nice. And that was a brutal That's drive. Right. I bet. <laughs> I remember falling asleep in Montana and waking up in Montana, you know, after eight hours. It's like, yeah, <laughs> that happens to everyone. <laughs> so, oh my God, the, Mo the Montana stretch is so brutal. It takes forever. And then you're like, finally, we made it. We're in Wyoming, yeah. another fucking 10 <laughs> hours. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so then we started the tour with them, and it, it went really well. For us, it did. I don't know what they were thinking about us, but who cares? Yeah. Two totally different sounding bands in, in yeah. a great way. So yeah, your first tour, you're, you're probably playing mostly packed shows and you know opening for a, a pretty notable band. That's killer. That's awesome. Yeah, we've always been lucky that way, man. So let's take it back just a squash. How about with Bundle of Hiss? That was the band that you came 
from Boise with, right? Am I wrong about that? Or No, that's a, a that's a band I joined after H Hour, my band from Boise. Oh, okay, yes. So I joined Bundle of Hiss as a second drummer, and it was actually uh, a guy named Dan Peters who is in a band called Mud Honey now. He was the drummer for yeah. Bundle <laughs> of Hiss, and uh, Jamie Lane playing guitar, and Kurt Danielson playing bass, and our styles didn't really mesh that well, uh-huh. you know, and Dan was certainly, you know, he was the drummer for Bundle of Hiss, so I said, well, why don't I play guitar? I've been playing guitar lately, and that's how it went down yeah. that route. Nice. Okay, so when you were in Boise, like with your first band, did you guys tour locally, or was it just sort of a like, hey, we're playing shows and we need to go somewhere where there's more shows, or, you know, I'm not trying to read anything into it, I'm just wondering how that went down. Sure, no worries. No, we didn't tour that much. Uh, we actually made a shirt that said Tall Tales of Idaho Tour, and it had almost every city in Idaho <laughs> listed on the back. And, yeah. of course, nobody ever – we never did that tour. And we it's funny because we have yeah. people who said they saw us on that tour. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just uh, pretty funny. But, um, yeah, Tad, Tad was the first band that I actually did any kind of real touring on. That's rad. See, that makes it even cooler that, you know, you're just going to, like, take this first touring band and just bust out to Hoboken. <laughs> yeah. I was working at a copy shop at the time on Broadway Avenue, Kinko's. Kinko's? Yeah. And I knew I was going to be leaving the job, so I was kind of becoming difficult at the job. And I told the customer to go yeah. fuck himself and <laughs> because he was an asshole. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the the manager told me, he says, if if you weren't quitting tomorrow, I would fire you. I'm like, okay. <laughs> we got an understanding. Oh man, King yeah. it's a very freeing and happy feeling. I bet to have done that as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's totally like a freedom when you're in sort of in that mode of like I want to be playing music and going on the road, but I have to work between tours. Of finding those temporary jobs and knowing that it's temporary mm-hmm. and at any moment yeah. you could just walk away from it and it does not fucking matter. There's a freedom there. And then like your managers rarely ever like catch on to it. I was always really upfront with my managers at these shit jobs. Like, like I'm just paying the bills between two tours. Uh, but they always would be like, you know, I, you, you should think about your opportunities yeah. here. You might have a real, you might have a real, you know, we could, we could, we could see you going places. Yeah. You could have a career in paper. Ma- <laughs> I know. Don't you want to, don't you want to stock these grocery shelves for a couple more years? Right. <laughs> oh, you did that too, huh? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Washing dishes, you name it. Cool. But yeah, like when you're in that last week before two Tour starts, you're just like, fuck you, I'm out of here. And they're like, what? And then get in the van and go, oh my God, it's liberating. Yeah. And it feels so good. So good. Yep. So Jeff and I are known to geek out on the show. We should probably geek out. Yeah, we will. A little bit. Because we got <laughs> Tad here. So as far as I'm concerned, like I look at the bands that were sort of happening in Seattle when you guys were playing. And I think it's probably easy to say that you guys were definitely like the heaviest sort of like metal leaning Seattle band that was sort of like breaking at the time. I'm sure there's a bunch of other good ones that nobody's going to know about or maybe Jeff knows Yeah, about. we could talk about that um, for a while, but that's not never, what this podcast never like is eclipsed. about. eclipsed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they never like, like, like sort of eclipsed out of Seattle. But I think uh, of the bands that were breaking at the time, you guys are probably the heaviest. And looking forward to now, probably most on the money to have how heavy music would evolve. Agreed. I think if you listen to a lot of other bands back then, they sound like they're from back then. But when I put on a Tad record, it could be a band that's playing now that yeah. is like packing Absolutely. clubs still. So hats off to you, sir. Well, thank you. That's really <laughs> nice of you to say. I appreciate that. Oh, you can't see me. I'm taking a hat yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you guys. Yeah, for sure. 
What was it like hitching your wagon and joining, like sharing the stage with your peers at the time? Like we're talking like Alice in Chains, Mudhoney, Soundgarden, Nirvana, Melvins. Who else? Like tell us about that scene. Oh, well, it, it was a lot of fun being able to, to see the humble beginnings of everything was really a, a joy. Yeah. There's a place called The Vogue, which was down on First Avenue in Virginia. Oh, that, yeah. uh, that their main thing was dance night every other night except for Tuesday night. And they would have shows with national acts that would come through. And the, it was a very small place. It was like maybe 80 yeah. or 90 people packed. And uh, yeah. I mean, I, I've seen so many bands there and played with so many bands there and lost a lot of brain cells there as well. <laughs> but uh, one of my favorite things to do was to go there and ask Monty and his wife, who tended the bar, uh-huh. for what I call swill. And it's the stuff that was collected at the bottom of the, the beer <laughs> tab. Holy yes. shit. <laughs> and, and, and they they just give that to me. So I'm like, well, I'm drinking that. That's it's basically booze, so that was yeah, my gig, you know? Yeah, the working class version of the graveyard from the soda yeah. machine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ted, I was just too young to see most of those Vogue shows, but I did, like, catch the tail end of it. I turned 21, you know, in 91, so, you know, I got to mm-hmm. see some stuff, but it wasn't, I didn't get to see all the good stuff. And then we used to go to the fetish nights at the Vogue and dance goth all the time <laughs> yeah. in the 90s. <laughs> There'd be people whipping people in the back room. We probably crossed paths, you know. I was there too. Of course, I was in the back, you know, just like smoking weed, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I remember those. Those were pretty mm-hmm. hilarious. And definitely, you know, entertaining as hell. Yes, so entertaining, so much fun. I, and, I, you know, I like industrial goth stuff, you know, especially from the 80s and 90s. So I was just dancing with my friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tad, can you indulge us real quick and just, like, list off the legendary bands that you've toured with, like, alongside? Well, there's uh, Pussy Galore, obviously. God, there's some that I'm not going to remember. Sure. But uh, Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, mm-hmm. Paw. I don't know if they're legendary, but you know they they had a hit at one point. Yeah, and uh, Ministry. Oh fuck, Neurosis as of late with my mm-hmm. other band. Yeah, mm-hmm. Brothers of the Sonic Cloth. Yeah. Oh, Pri- Primus as well. Oh shit, Tad and Primus. <laughs> yeah, I would enjoy that show. That was a weird tour, man. That was <laughs> a weird tour. <laughs> yeah. What are those guys? Why was it weird? Tell us why it was weird. You know, it felt like two different moons revolving in opposite directions around a, yeah. a planet. You know, it's like we're completely different. And mm-hmm. oh, Slash's Snake Pit, we toured with. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I absolutely. mean, good for you, but wow, <laughs> that's awesome. And, and I remember we're backstage at DC, and we just done our sound check and we we're getting all our shit out of the way and slash had just you know there's a hallway he was coming up and he had a couple of nervous a and r label types behind him and i said hey i want to thank you for having us on the tour with you you know that's really nice and generous and yeah and he paused and looked at me still the hat on sunglasses black leather <laughs> jacket and said who are you and i'm like uh, <laughs> never mind have a good show. Oh, <laughs> so, I mean, uh, bummer. 
Tad, no, you're a it's, quite uh, recognizable I'm, person. It seems like, come on, dude. Like, well, I don't know. He I'm, knows who you are. He might not have known. And True. Who cares? You know, I, I didn't take an <laughs> offense to it. I, I actually yeah. thought it was funny, and I used it to tell the rest of the guys <laughs> that we were busting a gut later. <laughs> I thought, well, gosh, we're going to have to get him a fruit basket so he can remember us. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> Put some heroin in there and Just get him yeah. a little cheat sheet with all you guys' pictures on it. <laughs> <laughs> Totally. <laughs> little antidote here that when we did tour with them, they had signs on their door that said Slash's Snake Pit, Rock Legends, blah, 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 and this and that and the other. We made some with or Sharpie for our door that said, uh, Tad, hooked on phonics, <laughs> mentally disabled, um, don't leave us with your girlfriend type of thing. And, you know, All just true. completely awesome. antithesis. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it was totally like when we played, we'd open and we'd have all the Tad fans that would be there. And then as soon as we were done, all of them would leave. And then the Slash of Snake Pit guys, all their fans would come in. And it was mm -hmm. like they never met between, you know, it was like it was weird. It was like two shows. <laughs> no, that's weird. They're just giving each other five on the way in and out. Like, yeah, good show. Good show. Good show. Not a yeah. lot of camaraderie there. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Did you and Slash and the boys ever uh, reconcile at the end of that tour to just stay kind of awkward? No, we we just kept ourselves and realized that that wasn't what they were about. So no right. no other words were said. I I did, however, drink a bottle of Merlot with Les from Primus once. Oh, nice. Yeah. See, that sounds fun. Yeah. <laughs> did you guys talk about yeah. fishing? He did. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. He talked a lot about fishing. Go figure. <laughs> I love it. Not a P-H-I-S-H, yep. but a real real fishing. Right. Yes, exactly. <laughs> For those who don't know, Primus has a lot of songs about fishing. They do. Yeah. A lot of songs. And cheese, which I could really relate to. Right. <laughs> Agreed. The whole album about cheese. <laughs> yeah. All right, we're getting into dangerously stupid yes, territory we are. here. <laughs> I mean, it's fun, but it's not on brand. <laughs> Right. Tad, do you have any like moments of triumph from tour, like anything at all? And maybe a way I, I like to put it is like it's an affirmation of putting in the work to go out there and play shows. Yeah, there's been glimmers of that um, moments. You know, the band really looked up to Killdozer, which was uh, oh, God, mm, yes. an, an indie uh. band from the Midwest. And, and some might say was very influential to us. And I would have to agree Agreed. with that. Yeah, and uh, I was able to meet the two brothers, and that was like really a great time for me. And Albini, of course, getting to meet Albini, and you know, yeah. and then eventually oh, recording awesome. with him was extra special. And other than that, you know, some of the best, amazing shows we ever played, and just like completely killing it, was in front of mm -hmm. twenty people here and there. Sure. And those those oh, yeah. were very special yeah. shows to me, too, because those people were there and they knew why they were there. Oh, you know, yeah. Those are the people who told five friends and next time it was, you know, 50 people. Yeah, totally. I think on Akimbo's, like, second or third European tour, we had a show fall through in Paris. Mm -hmm. But we luckily had made friends with some people earlier in the tour, uh, lived in Paris, but had come out to one of the shows uh, nearby. I can't remember what city it was in. It might have been um, Nice. Right. Or Nice, if you're American. <laughs> but they heard about it, and they were like, well, we'll see if we can get you a show somewhere in Paris. And I think they had a couple days. And they, they ended up pulling something together. It was just 
like an afternoon show in the cellar of a very bougie wine bar okay. in the middle of the city. Oh, killer. Yeah. They, they didn't have time to get support bands. They put out the word as best they could. It was just us and another old Seattle band called The Assailant. Oh, yeah. We're on tour together. So we load into this wine cellar and maybe 15 kids show up, but it was enough to fill up this tiny room. And we played and the fucking place went off. And somebody there was a photographer and had took a bunch of pictures. Oh, it's, and it's like, I think it was the best show we ever played yeah. to 15 just people like, last minute in a wine cellar in Paris. People just it was insane. freaking out. It was absolute insanity. <laughs> it was like, oh, I bet. It was like salmon swimming up a river in that room. It was amazing. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Those are the best shows, man. I mean, I fucking love basement yeah. shows. Some of the best shows I've ever seen in my entire life was me with my foot on, I guess, the stage or just in next to whoever I was standing in front of and fucking just getting my face blown off by whatever band is right in front of me. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's my raison d'etre, you know, to be honest, when I want to see a band. I want to go right up front and I want to fucking, like, feel it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm with you on that. I've always been like that. that. That's why I don't go to shows that much, and that's one of the reasons is, you know, I want that connection and that immediacy mm-hmm. of the and feeling feeling the bass hitting your chest and, you know, all that. It's, it's an amazing thing. Absolutely. I mean, on both sides of the stage, when you're on stage and you're on and you can feel your band getting it done, you know, that's another almost uh, indescribable feeling. And, and, and yep. it, if you're doing it right, it really doesn't fucking matter if it's fucking 10 or 15 people. You know that you're connecting with those people. You know, of course, it does feel awesome when there's a thousand people in front of you. I've only been able to do that a couple of times in my life, but sure, it, it's not as immediate, but it is in a way more powerful, I feel like. Yeah, I do. I yeah. agree completely. I love that. So same question, opposite side. What were some Moments of misery. <laughs> Low oh, moments, man. Like maybe bad shit going down, losing money, or, or like you just wanted to be home. Oh, well, um, I don't think there was ever a point where I just wanted to be home, except when we were waiting for customs to get into England once. That was kind of a bummer. Yeah. That wound up being like an, an uh, it was an eight hour experience of them taking our van apart and uh, taking shit, all the yeah. panels off of everything, taking. C- Pick guards off of guitars, opening oh, up come on. everything, and then separating us and putting us into it was from France to England. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember them saying, Come on, boys, you can level with us. You know, we, we know, we know what's going <laughs> yeah. on with you. you trying to Classic. get us yeah. to trip up and say something stupid. Right. He says, Come on, we know you're drug addicts and shit. And, you know, and like, we're, we're not. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Uh, <laughs> and they, they found all kinds of weird magazines that we we're carrying with us just for shits and giggles. And <laughs> <laughs> your sense of humor is going to get you in trouble. Yeah. Is. They, they thought we were in, involved in a lot of weird things. Which is, I, I love that, that that happened. But at the time, it was not fun. I think Steve got a, a cavity search at Ooh. one point. Oh, like no. A real one? Uh, yeah. Damn. Yeah, a real one. That's, you know, that's a bummer, you know. Yeah. Literally. You feel yeah. violated, you know. It's, it's bad enough that you have to be on the road and be sitting on your ass and laying back and risking your life day and night on the road with... God knows what the hell is happening out there. And then to have that happen, it's just like, woo, God. Yeah. But that was probably the worst experience I had. And the band is It's such whole. a classic move, too, though. Like, the we know you've mm. got something. Like, we're on to you. Yeah, come on. Come clean. Good cop, bad cop. 
<laughs> it's been a fucking century of that move, yeah. right? It's like, no, actually, we're on to you. Like, we yeah. know that you don't actually know anything. You're just yeah. <laughs> trying to intimidate us. Right exactly. Now. <laughs> like, you might. Right. Pay. Did you guys actually carry drugs with you though? Uh, no. Our Dutch tour manager at the time said, "Don't." He says, "We'll get Good. you whatever you yeah. need." It's just hash. Smart, you know. Right. Yeah. Right. We'll get you some weed or whatever. However, one time we did tour Canada, and that'll segue into mm-hmm. another story. But uh, we're stopped at the border. And I remember telling the guys, "Is like nothing. You can't bring anything. Nothing with you." And I was yeah. like very astute and like drilling it, you know. And and then uh, we played the show and. Vancouver, BC, came back that night. And as we're going in to speak to the the American side, mm-hmm. I reached into my coat pocket to warm up my hand, and I found a pipe in there. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's, that's not very good. So I just played it off and took my hand out of my pocket, and uh, yeah, we got away with that one. So They didn't search you, so you were fine. That's right. Kids Near stay miss. in school. Don't do as we do. Yeah. Learn from us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Throw throw all your pipes. Of course, it's legal now, almost everywhere. I so know. Whatever. <laughs> I know. Even though it's legal now, I still, I have faith that cops will still find reasons to fuck with bands. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Not? And that's one of the reasons we carried a Bible on the dashboard. Oh, uh, so not smart. that we knew Very the verses. clever. But, but just in case we got pulled over... You know, yeah. uh, they they could see that, and I don't know if it really helped at all, but, you know, <laughs> we'd that, like to think that so. That's pretty smart. Um, Nat, the drummer of Akimbo, he would, he, he was, he had a, like a genius stroke a couple times when we get pulled over by cops. And, you know, they always want to ask what you're doing, where you're going. You tell them you're in a band, a bunch of gear. They always ask, eventually, what kind of music do mm-hmm. you play? And Nat would always pull out some, like, beloved classic American rock band to say that that's what we sounded like. <laughs> uh, and and I, think it, I think it started with like, you know, oh, it's like, you know, Black Sabbath, but with a little bit of punk rock in there, you know. But then the cops would be like, oh, Black yeah, Sabbath. Yeah, that's I the truth. Black you Sabbath. don't want to give them the Black truth. Black Sabbath's <laughs> fucking awesome. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and then so it, like, it would evolve to like Aerosmith. Oh, yeah, we sound like Aerosmith. Yeah, sure. Like, oh, killer. I love Aerosmith. <laughs> totally helps you out. Oh, yeah. I've always felt that a NRA sticker and a Jesus fish on the back of your van, that's the only two things you should have on the back of your van. And I personally find those two things like abhorrent and completely against all of my values. And yet it can save you. That Jesus fish, it could Saves. it could like literally be the difference between you going to jail or not. And I find that to be a bad thing to say about the United States, but I'm going to stand by that. I'm going to stand by it. Sounds like no. you found Jesus, Jeff. <laughs> well, I found a Jesus yeah. fish sticker. A fish. Yeah. 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 In a, I don't know, maybe it was like a fucking cracker barrel or something, maybe. I don't know. You know, you just put it up oh, yeah. put it on the thing. And right up, next to the mind. wooden train so, whistles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Before woo, we rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> So you, you said we were about to segue into a tour story from Canada? Oh, yeah. We did tour Canada at one point, And one time we were traveling overnight to get to somewhere. I don't remember what it was, but we're traveling through Calgary, Banff area, which is mm-hmm. just okay. complete Rocky Mountains, very yep. dark, and uh, very deep, clear rivers all around next to the roads. So uh, I remember I was co-pilot, and our roadie at the time, Rich Newland, 
we used to call him mm. Bitchin' Rich Newland. He Beach was nice. driving, and everybody fell, was asleep, and all of a sudden this huge thud, crashing, really nasty sound. It sounded like it hit the van, and it did because it shook everything. I'm like, Rich, what the fuck did you just hit? We thought he hit a deer or something. Yeah. He says, gosh, guys, I didn't hit anything. But <laughs> we pulled over and took a look, <laughs> and a boulder had hit the top of the van. And it sunk it in like maybe six to eight inches into the the van between me and Rich and didn't notice it until we got out and looked at it. But that was, that was probably still like embedded in the roof. No, but there's like, okay, you know, it it disintegrated or whatever. And the rock was back behind us somewhere. Yeah. You know, we didn't have flashlights or nothing, but I mean, you see those signs and you always think that they're silly. You know, falling rocks, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's a big joke yeah. until it happens to yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're, what, maybe like four or five feet away from that coming through the front shield, the front oh windshield? God, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, if you're going, you know, going just a little bit slower, just a tiny bit slower, that would have been in your lap. And two feet to the left, it could have, like, crushed Rich's skull and we'd all be dead by now, you know? Yeah. Well, we're glad you're all alive. Jeez. That's insane. You made it that's out. crazy. At least. Yeah, and then yeah. and then you're playing a club to like forty people the next night, <laughs> and they have no idea that you almost right? died just to come play that stupid little show. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Well, those are the choices that we make. For right, sure, indeed, it's worth. <laughs> we choose to live like that. We are we road that. Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned border crossings. Any other um, situations where you've had like problems with authority, um, club security, or cops fucking oh. with you? Club security for sure. There was some yeah. weird show we played in a strip mall in Florida somewhere, and I don't remember exactly nice. what it was. I was having an extra special cocky evening myself, and uh, mm-hmm. was uh, busting out good one-liners to everybody. And the sound man, which I shouldn't have done this, but the sound man is like, "I, I need more volume out of my monitor. I can't hear my vocals." And, and he comes up and he says, "Turn your amps down." And oh, I'm don't like, do that. Oh, "Okay." Don't say that. Oh my god! Yeah, you know how that goes. I do. I hate. Uh, the, I hate it so much. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. It, makes, it triggers me. It really triggers me. <laughs> well, I told him if I wouldn't have to do that if he wouldn't have got your PA at Tandy Radio Shack, and he got really <laughs> upset. <laughs> and he fucked with us, and he got a couple of his buddies, which were security for the show. We thought we were going to get into it, but we were able to get out somehow. That's a tense moment. One time we were, <laughs> we were touring with Clutch, uh-huh. and it was in Atlantic City, I think, uh-huh. back east. We were playing a show there, and all of a sudden these uh, skinheads showed up, and they were just being jackasses. Go figure. <laughs> it was during our set. They started grabbing people and really hurting them, and that's Ugh. when we drew the line. Kurt and I did, and it says, knock it off, and it just exploded into a melee. And I remember taking my guitar and putting it behind me to lean it up against my amp so I could get into melee uh-huh. mode. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Kurt just cracked this guy with his bass really hard. And <laughs> uh, I think his eye popped out of his skull. But oh, the dude definitely fuck. deserved it. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I did not expect you to say that. Holy shit, that's yeah. amazing. And, and, and the drummer for Clutch came down and wanted to get into it, too, because he likes a brawl. So Yeah, was, those guys uh, are bruisers. Yeah, it was really... Uh, Scary, so it's scary just thing, but the members of Tad and Clutch fighting skinheads. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's a vision I, I want to keep in my mind that. for the next couple. I of want days. a portrait of that on my yeah. wall. <laughs> <I'm> not... <laughs> 
Man, I'll tell you, I, I can see it like it was yesterday, but it was not fun at the time. And I thought, fuck, I'm sure. I don't want to die. Right. And that right. that fear propelled me with the adrenaline to, like, you know, start throttling some skinhead ass, you know? <laughs> right. So you got in there, too. Oh, yeah. Punch skinheads. I feel like that's a... Um, I don't know. I guess that still happens here and there, but I feel like punching skinheads at underground shows was like a more common thing. In yeah, the 90s, it used to be a pastime. 80s and 90s. Yeah, there's all those underground punk bands who have songs about it, like like you know, Nazi punks fuck off, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it used to be with well, the late '80s, especially where there was a percentage of you know it was this many of this type of punk, this many of this type of punk, and this many fucking skinheads were going to be there, no matter yeah. fucking what. And unfortunately, Clutch, you know, being a very aggressive band, there's going to be some skinheads who probably think, like, I fucking love that band. You know what I mean? Yeah, but totally. I don't think Clutch is the kind of band that really, you know, mentally they're not skinheads. Like, <laughs> But, you know, I mean, I got in a <laughs> no, fight not with at a all. bunch of skinheads at a uh, Victims Family. In fact, the last two Victims Family shows that I was at, which was a long time ago now, for some reason, skinheads love Victims Family, and I don't fucking get it. And I got into it with skinheads both times. I don't understand it. Like those know, guys are I don't not get a skinhead man. Makes no sense. But no, they, not they at would all. Show up every time. San Francisco represent. Yeah, I know, right? They're good guys. We toured <laughs> with them too. I love everybody in that band. Yeah. They are all amazing yeah. human beings, and their music is fucking awesome. Go listen to Victims Family. Yep, <laughs> that's a killer band for sure. Yeah. Totally, another power trio. Fuck yeah. All right, this is a great moment to take a break. Um, I want to play one of my favorite Tad songs. This is off the album Infrared Riding Hood. This song is called Thistle Suit. Hey kids, do you like music? I like music. Then you need to go to Catterwall. What's Mini- that? Why, it's a four-day festival in Minneapolis, Minnesota, May 27th, 28th, 29th, and 30th. That sounds fun. It's 52 like- different bands, if you can believe it. That's a lot. Yes. That sounds like all the bands. It's the, is it, it is indeed all the bands. And it only will cost you... $110. That's a deal. You can even hear Sand Rider in their first performance in the Midwest. Ooh, I like it. 
I hear uh, one of the guys has a podcast, too, and it's supposed to be pretty good. That's what I hear. What else do people need to know? I think Big Business is playing. Oh, uh, yeah. An arc welder. That's good. Those Juna. Good Juna. We have Service, who are fantastic. Tongue Party's playing. Multicult. Played in a long time. We've got a Dead Writer. Reptoid. Got the Tunnel. Vaz. We got Doug. Murph. We got we got all the bands. Uh, as, all the like bands. we said, all the bands, right? So you think about it, we got it. If you're only gonna go to one show this year, you should go to Catterwall because it's got all the bands. It's got all the subgenres. It's got all, it's got all the subgenres indeed. So uh Catterwall, Catterwall.org. Minneapolis, Palmers, Mortimers. Yes, that's probably a good idea to mention where it is. Do it. Do it for the kids. Do it for yourself, but really do it for justice and society. Yes. Okay, Jeff, you were saying, go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm just going to gush for a second. But yeah, gush. I was in my 20s, and I was one of those dudes who was at every fucking show you played in Seattle, Tad. I mean, we did not miss a fucking show, honestly. So to be able to, like, say, like, hey... Here I am with my friend John from Akimbo, who also, who is a, a little bit of a, you know, kind of a generation back even, but my band was playing with his band all the time. He's a big thing. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. fucking huge. It's, it's super fun and it's super awesome to say, like, here we are, we're still making fucking music. Not to toot our own horns too much, but I think we're all making relevant music and, more importantly, making relevant music to ourselves and to each other, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. I think that leads into a... A really good question that I wanted to ask, which is, you know, Brothers of Sonic Cloth, let's go into that time frame. You guys played Roadburn. Yeah, that was a trip. I mean... <laughs> I remember hearing people playing that and seeing videos and like, man, that that was like an amazing festival. There's like three or four things different going on in different parts yeah. of this area and it's just like amazing so yeah what is roadburn we've never talked about it on this show we all know what it is but let's explain it well it's a a festival that happens in is it holland it's tilburg netherlands tilburg right? yeah yeah Pretty sure it's an annual thing i don't know if they had one last year but they have a lot of really great bands that come through and play and that was another thing i was able to hook up with a lot of people who i'd listened to for many years sure. and it was great to be able to play with the bands that we played with I, I mean running into away from uh voivod oh man how cool is that yeah you're right it's, it's an annual festival it happens out in in tilburg and the people who curate that show are just absolutely our kind of people yeah they like got the good taste in music mm-hmm. yeah and, and it's like somewhat specific to mostly like like heavy bands usually very loud bands but it's also like they just do a really good job at curating a festival that is like that style and then a lot of adjacent styles yeah. as well of bands that are either legendary or doing cool, interesting new things that people should know about. It's a huge honor to get asked to play. It's like a big goal for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it's so there. cool when you see one of your friend's bands is playing Roadburn this year. I mean, my, my head just explodes. I'm like, fuck yes, that's great. Yeah. You know, I know. Everyone from the rest of the world gets to see how awesome our scene is, you know, and I just, I fucking yeah. love that, man, for a while there, and it'll probably still continue, but we had Seattle bands playing Roadburn every year, you know? Akimbo got invited once, Aww. and we, we had to say no, and I don't think the band will ever forgive me because it was my fault. Oh, <laughs> oh, dude, that is rough. Yeah. That is rough. Yeah. That's hard. 
Yeah, it's a bummer. Well, that kind of thing happens. Yep. Yeah. There you go, though. You've had the honor of being asked, so that says something. Yeah. Yeah, you're nominated. And you guys went over there because Neuro- was Neurosis curating a stage that year or something? I think so, yeah. yeah. It was uh, Converge. Dang. And uh, Chelsea Wolf. Ah, sick, yeah. Oh, yeah. Neurosis. On that specific stage, I can't remember what it was called, but it was the big stage. And boy, that was... I think that's the first time I'd been a little bit, not scared, but nervous in a long yeah. time. Was yeah. getting up on that stage. Because there was no sound check. You just had to fly. Uh, be ready. Oh, wow. Yeah. And uh, I busted a string. Mm. You know, of course. Uh, of course. <laughs> and so I did some weird improv vocal thing, which actually worked out. Yeah. While Dave, the drummer, changed my string, and then we continued. But um, that's so cool. It, it was it was pretty cool. I had a lot of fun meeting all those people there too. How'd you guys go over? I'm assuming pretty well. It was good. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, you look out and you see people just standing there, you know, arms folded yeah. and looking at you. Right. They're not booing at you. So I mean, they're listening. You know, and yeah. I've got to remind myself as it's not a standoff. They're just listening yeah. to what you're doing. Yeah. And and then afterwards, when we we're done, I mean, the applause and the whistles were just like, okay, cool. I guess we did okay. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you know how awesome. it is. You're, you're, you're in this, this non-time space thing. Yeah, sure. While you're in it and you're completely present in every finger note and move. We're in. That uh-huh. It's a really surreal. And then you come out of that. It's like coming out of hyperspace, you know? Yeah. Totally. Time is weird yeah. when, you're, when you're working. Yeah. At Roadburn, if they got their arms folded and looking at you, they're probably just high as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the other, probably, that's the other yeah. thing, though, is they're, you know, here they are, they're like, what is this band, you know? And then you win them over just by doing what you do, you know? Yeah, that was a lifetime achievement. That's awesome. Yeah, level up for a lifetime of leveling up, Tad. I mean, I just, I loved to see that you were on that bill. Loved it. Totally. That's nice. And then Brothers did some touring too, yeah? Yeah, we did the United States as well with Neurosis. Played quite a few shows in Europe, and we went to Europe once. I mean, after the record came out. It's Mm -hmm. like late 50s when that happened, so that's like icing on the cake and staying in hotel rooms. Ah. Oof. Like actual (laughs) hotel rooms. Love it. And we had a driver. Oh, yeah. Ah. We had a driver who spoke English. (laughs) It's the best. Uh, Because, you know, stupid Americans only spoke one language, but it was amazing. It was very comfortable, and, you know, I was kind of like, man, where's the suffering, you know? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know, where am I suffering for my art? But then, you know, I remembered, yeah, we, we've done that. Yeah. And uh, it's okay. Yeah, dude, you, you did the suffering. Was that Peggy I heard? Yeah, I've heard Peggy. What's that? Having dinner with Away and the guy from the Amoeblics that night. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, my like, that's, God. That's his name. That's amazing. Yeah. Hi, Peggy. John says hi. <laughs> and uh, hey guys, love you. Love you, oh, too. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Cameo. Yeah. And that's that's another thing. I was able to take my wife with me, you know. Well, yeah, she's in the band. two of my best friends. <laughs> Classic. Yeah. What a great band, friend-wise. All four members of Brothers are, like, separately and together amazing people, in my opinion. <laughs> so it's really nice to, like, I used to love going to see you guys because it was, like, I could cheer for everyone together and each person separately. You know, Jeff, you're a good guy. I love knowing good bands. <laughs> he is. That last Akimbo show, the the one at the Comet, that was so amazing because I stood in the back and right behind Nat, which is what I always did every, every chance mm-hmm. I got when I was backstage with Akimbo. And 
it was like being in the band, except I didn't have to sweat as much and I could just <laughs> enjoy the triumph of my brothers, you know, and, uh, you know, seeing my brothers and sisters, which is a mouthful to say in Brothers of Sonic Cloth, <laughs> just so, so great. You know, you just want to, you just, I just want to hold all of you up and just be like this, this right here, this is the fucking band, you know, <laughs> and that's, the best, that's Jeff. what I love. You know, I love being that guy, you know, I just, I'm, I'm a guy who likes good music and then I see the band that I like and they happen to be friends of mine and that's fucking beautiful. It is beautiful. I it agree. It doesn't get any better than that. Anybody in any scene, you know, they have that chance to have that moment. I just have get to have that chance with bands like Akimbo and Brothers of Sonic Cloth and shit like that. So that's, I feel very lucky, very lucky to live in the town that I live in. Well, the bands that you're in too, Jeff, I remember uh, shedding tears at both of you guys' shows. Oh, come on. Tears, tears. (laughs) No, seriously. I'm not that guy, you know, I'm not pulling, blowing shit up, blowing air up your ass, but I mean, it definitely moved me, you know, and very few bands do that. You know, Yob did that yeah, to me. Sure. Totally. Um, Same. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was more personal with you guys, too, because I, I knew you guys were hometown mm-hmm. homies. And uh, and I had seen you many times, and we we shared those experiences a lot of the time. So it was, it was really good. Life is good, man. Yeah, it is. It, it is, really is yeah. good, if you think about it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm so sad that Brothers isn't a band anymore. Like, you guys were always our go-to whenever we were in that fortunate position where a club or somebody wants just wants you to play because they like your band and they, you know, are willing to take a chance on you bringing business in. It's a really nice spot to be in. Yeah. Right? But then it's like, okay, but, like, this is a good excuse to, like, you know, ask some of our friends to join a show with us. Word. And <laughs> I really miss having Brothers around because you guys were always, like, top of our list. Like, well, we're... If we're playing the Comet, we got to get Brothers Sonic Cloth to join us, you know? It's like always the first ones to ask. Oh, that's nice. So I miss having you guys. Those are fun shows. Can I tell the story of the first time I met you? Yeah, man. I don't know if you, I hope you remember this. Um, <laughs> well, it was, it was at the Comet, right? No, it was at our practice space. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this story. <laughs> it's oh, the yeah. best. It's the best. So I'm um, very proud of this. I forgot about that practice place. You left a mark on us for sure. So the first time I saw you was Tad played the old firehouse when I was a teenager. And so I got to see that show when I was like just a wee lad. But then like years later, Akimbo is, we're practicing at this old practice space called The Foundry. Yeah, and we used to all practice there. There's a thing that happens <laughs> if you're in a band and your band doesn't suck and you're in the average practice space sharing it with a bunch of bands that are awful. Yeah. Um, and a lot of these, a lot, some of these people just have no restrictions at all. And they feel very comfortable walking into your practice space while you're playing <laughs> to like say hi. And, it's a thing that happens. It's why you lock the door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> some people, some people will even like, like wait till you're done with a song and then like knock. Yep. And you'll be like, what the fuck is that? And you open up the door and there's just some weirdo out there who's just like, oh, your band's awesome. Bro. Could I come in for a bit? And you're like, no, <laughs> we're practicing. Go away. <laughs> so so this has happened to us, you know, a handful of times, whatever. And then one night, Akimbo's practicing and we're in the middle of a song and the door opens and it's fucking Tad Doyle. <laughs> yes, another weirdo. <laughs> But we're Not just knocking. very random. We're like, it took a minute for all of us to like connect the face to the human. Because yeah. the the first reaction is, why the fuck is the door opening? What now? Who's this? Right? And then you look up and it's Tad and he's smiling and he's just looking at us and, and you were like yelling. 
because well, you <laughs> guys stopped. are loud. Like, like, of course he's yelling. We're, we're stopped, and, and you're just you just like started like complimenting us in a very like happy and aggressive way. <laughs> I couldn't believe what I was hearing, man. It's like, and to be honest, a lot of the bands really sucked you yeah. know at yeah. that practice space and and i i'm like holy shit who is this what the fuck's going on in this room and i had to know i yeah. had to go yeah. in there and, and i was blown away yeah you guys made me very happy that day that's awesome well you made us very happy oh, i think as you were leaving all nat and i could do was just say oh thanks man oh thanks that oh thanks and i think Burke was the one who's who's finally able to say like, "Oh, we're big fans. It's an honor to meet you, sir." Something like that. Sir. And then as you left, you said something. I think it was, "Keep cooking, what's cooking," or something <laughs> like that. And then you closed yeah. the door. That that thing you said to us. I don't know if you ever knew this. We put that quote on the inside of our album that we released later that oh, year. Oh shit! <laughs> I didn't it's, know that. It's like hidden in the album artwork. There's "Keep cooking, what's cooking." Is in there. It's, <laughs> it's because you stuck your head in that room that day. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Shame oh. on me. No, that that practice place was equally shitty and equally awesome because there was like Hog Molly over here, you know, mm-hmm. Akimbo was down the way, and then there was like Bloodhag and Teen Cthulhu, and then yeah. the Whip was in there for a bit. The Whip was in there for very early on, yeah. and I think that's right when we got in, and then Cold Sweat was there. I want to f- Shark Chum. Yeah. Oh, Shark Chum was. It, it was like there were these bands that were fucking amazing, and then there were every other band was like, "What the fuck?" And that's pretty much all practice places in general. But I, I have a zeitgeist thing that I like to do, which is like I'm gonna move my practice place if every band in this general area sucks. I'm gonna go join up and be like, "Listen, I'd rather be competing with." other bands that are like intense or bands that I enjoy or whatever it is and see them in the hallways then see a bunch of dudes that you know and how many times have you been practicing a riff on your new song and then you walk outside and you hear you know maybe down the hall you hear a band that's like kind of playing the same beat and then you're like wait did <laughs> did we steal from them or did they steal from us you know what I mean and I would much <laughs> rather be getting the bleed from a band that rules like Hog Molly than a band that yeah. sucks like every other band that I don't even need to mention because, you know, there's a, yeah. it's all, there. you know, it doesn't matter. If you want to be a weekend warrior, I am into that. Do that thing. You know, rent a practice place. Have fun with your buddies. I'm totally into that. You're calling me out right now. But I now. don't want to be near you. Well, uh, oh, oh, yeah, okay. So so John's, John's weekend warrior band is Sandrider. Which is, you know, one of the best bands that's in what Seattle. It is. <laughs> so it's accidentally. That's what it is. Who's been on, who's actually been on CNN or NFL Today yeah. or some shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Monday Night Football. What was or that? Monday, it's Monday Night Football. Oh, my God. <laughs> Monday Night Did you Football. Guys get a, Sandwriter. Yeah. You guys got a song yeah. on? Oh, no, you were because you played. Explain it, John. As, Explain it. I'll just, I'll just, uh, it's worth the story it or whatever. It it's not a tour story, mm-hmm. but okay. So we, uh. <laughs> this was actually when we were releasing our second album, Godhead. We had a, we had our album release show booked at Numos, and then we just get a random ass email from somebody at ESPN, and they say, "Hey, we're doing a bit." So the Seahawks were in the playoffs to go to the Super Bowl that year, and they were on I think on their last playoff game that was going to determine if they were going to be in the Super Bowl that night, the same night that we were releasing Godhead in Seattle. So ESPN is like, "Hey, we want to do a bit. We're going to have people come to your show." with decibel readers to see if a loud Seattle band <laughs> is louder 
than the the like the fans at the yeah, Seahawks stadium. Who are supposed to be the loudest right? fans ever or whatever. Yeah. And I think they were gonna give us like two hundred bucks or something like that. You get two hundred bucks yeah, whether sure. or not we use the bit. I was like, oh sure, whatever, okay, cool. Sounds good. Do we have to do anything? No. Just play your show. We'll be there. You don't have to talk to anybody. It's like, okay, perfect, awesome. And then the the funny bit is that this email that came to us was a forward of a long email chain. And so me being the, the curious person I am, I scrolled down and I read the whole thing. And they did not look out for Sandrider. <laughs> they were not looking for yeah. Sandrider. There's this long chain of like ESPN programming people who just are desperate to find a loud grunge band. They kept referring it to as a <laughs> Seattle grunge band. Oh, they, <laughs> they found one. And, and they're going back and forth and the, the guys are talking about like, we could try this show or that show. And then one of them is like, hey, I got a, I got a tip from somebody who lives in Seattle that this band, Sandrider, might be the one to go to. So, and then it's like, yeah, I listened to it. Let's see if that works. And so it was very accidental. It was just like right time, right place. But yeah, and then so they they show up and they record it. And then like the next week when the game is happening on Monday Night Football, we thought it might happen. And we we were assuming it would happen around halftime. Yeah. And it didn't. And so we're just watching the game. It's like, okay, I guess it's not going to happen. And then I think it's around like the third quarter they showed it. And it was right when the Seattle fans were screaming and they were showing like the decibel yeah, meter sure. on TV. And then they just, they just split the screen. <laughs> And there's fucking us playing at Numos, comparing the decibels. And this like some cheesy announcer is like grunge band Sandrider playing blah blah blah. I was like, <laughs> okay, but you were louder though, right? Nope. Really? You can't compete with eighty thousand I mean, people that's screaming true. at the top I guess of their it depends lungs. Depends on where you have the meter, but yeah. It wasn't a blowout; like it was close, yeah. but they were definitely louder. Yeah. Oh man! <laughs> I, How did I miss that? I love. I remember that story. seeing that, and it was amazing. <laughs> That's, I was grinning ear to ear when I saw that. It's like, yeah, yes. All three of this us. This is awesome. All three of us. The moment it happened, our phones just blew yeah, right? up. Like all, all of us, all of our friends are like, "What the fuck?" And then, and then the best thing is like all these people who never talk to me about band shit, like coworkers and stuff, are like texting me like, "Oh, it's amazing! It's so yeah. cool!" It's like, you never talked to me. Uh, like, all right. <laughs> Perfect time for a pause. Um, let's go back and play something off of one of Tad's earlier records. In the explosion of legalized marijuana in Washington, it's no surprise that someone from our music community got involved. But Saints owner, Lawrence Perigo, is an old friend of ours from the band Wormwood, one of the heaviest bands in Seattle back in the day. Their flowers grown with no-till gardening, all organic. 
They feed the soil using all organic methods, and the soil feeds the plants. Specializing in pre-rolled joints and mostly compostable packaging featuring art from amazing artists. Check out the joint sessions on their website featuring Spotify playlists curated by artists, musicians, and friends of St. Joints. Find them online at saintsjoints.com. St. Joints are currently available in Washington and Oklahoma. It's good weed from good people. Pick up a pack of St. Joints and know that you are helping the environment, the arts, and your own relaxed self as you drift into space. Tad, what's the worst club you ever played? Worst club? Ooh. Oh, again, somewhere back east. I think it was actually uh, D.C. this time. Yeah. And there was an inch and a half of water over the whole floor. Uh. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I'm like, how is this a good idea no. to be plugging electrical stuff in with uh, water on the floor? <laughs> Nope. And there was a, the guinea pigs. The opening act did it. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll do it. But it was just so bizarre. And, you know, water flying everywhere. I wish we'd shot a yeah. video or something. But yes, yeah. that was probably the weird, not probably the worst for equipment, I guess. Yeah. So wait, so wait, 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 wait. I need the picture a little bit better. You walk into a club, <laughs> there's water on the floor, and everyone's not like, we should just leave. Yeah, no, there was no floaters that I could tell. <laughs> and it was so it wasn't brown. It was water. It was fine. No, and it and it just smelt like water. So I guess it was okay. But uh, yeah, it's I'm nonplussed. I'm nonplussed. I literally <laughs> do not know what to say about that. Because I feel like you're in a band, you want to play your show, but the club should be like, why is there water on the ground? Well, obviously it was toilet overflow Ew. for some reason. But... <laughs> I mean. Maybe they clipped the toilets clean. Yeah. I don't know. It didn't smell bad. It just smelled like water. <laughs> uh, but what do I know? I don't know. All I know is if that would have happened at the Funhouse, I would have left the show. Because we've all seen those Funhouse bathrooms. Yeah. We had like a, a six-inch stage mm-hmm. that separated us from the water pretty much. But it was still... <laughs> a little safety. I'm like, this probably isn't a good idea. But we did it anyway. <laughs> We did a show in Oklahoma when there was a, a tornado happening. And they didn't cancel the show. They're like... You know, we were like, oh, are they going to cancel the shows? Like, we're waiting all day. I'm like, nope, show's on. Okay, all right. Wasn't very well attended mm-hmm. because of the tornado. tornado. First band plays, and then we're on next. And after the first, so it's like the tornado is happening around. This is in Oklahoma this is amazing. City. amazing. It's like happening a, around the area. So the weather is just, is just bonkers, yeah. right? And then so the rain starts happening. And first band plays. They finish. We're about to go on. And the way that the venue is kind of set up is you walk in and you're in a bar and then to your left, you go down some stairs like below the main floor, but it's still, all, it's still all open. And the left is the stage area. So it's like you go downstairs and it's a little bit lower on the ground and that's where the stage is and where the people watch the show. And then there's a back door there that goes to the parking lot, like right in the back yeah. where you, you load in and out. And the, the floor is like that tile. It's like two-tone tile. Oh, yeah, sure. So it's like black and red checkers. Uh, so it reflects light pretty well. And so we notice that, it's super reflective at the back of the room because there's a puddle of water creeping in <laughs> from underneath the door. And the, the staff is aware of it, like the sound guy or whatever. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll take care of that in a second. This happens when it rains pretty hard sometimes. And what they do is they just take a push broom and they open the door and they just sweep the water out. Sure. So he's got his... He's got his push broom and he opens the back door, but it's a fucking tornado happening <laughs> outside. <laughs> and there's so much water up against the door that it like floods the whole dance room, like the whole dance floor. 
what? <laughs> with this like, with this poor sound guy like, tr- like desperately oh trying to sweep God. it out with a push broom, and it's just like, uh, and yeah, it was insane. So, but <laughs> losing it, battle. Yeah. Was- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the stage wasn't in the water, so so the bands were fine. But yeah, so there just ended up being like an inch or so standing water on the floor at this show. And then, yeah, the tornado happened, and it actually didn't really hit our area. So we ended up being totally fine, aside from people just being <laughs> nervous. But the next day, when we drove out of town, we drove through some of the areas that it hit, and, like, it was full-on destruction. Yeah. Like, Man. I remember driving by a hotel that had been, like, half-destroyed, so you could see into all oh the rooms. God. And there's, like, mattresses and TVs all over the place. It's like Twister. It's chaos. It was like... Yeah. Just like the yeah, movie. Yeah, so we were a couple miles away from getting getting wrecked. Jeez. <laughs> That's flirting That's with danger, story, man. That's a good story, John. That's a damn good story. How have I never heard yeah. that That's one? That's life on the line. Yeah, it is. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh, and the other, the other. So this is when we were touring with Blood Brothers, and the other funny, the funny anecdote about this one too was that the people who were the most nervous about the tornado hitting were Burke, who was in our band, and Johnny, one of the singers of the Blood Brothers. And we had been told that the safest structure to be in in a tornado is a bathroom. Uh-huh. Because those are the rooms that have the most piping yeah, running sure. through the walls. And so they keep that room a little bit more intact. And, and they're like, if you really want to be safe, you want to like hold on to like a sink or a toilet that's actually connected. <laughs> so you don't get sucked out. Connected to a pipe that's going into the wall. And so there was good portions of time at that show where Burke and or Johnny were in the men's room like clutching a sink. <laughs> Oh my God. Just in so case there were it enough hit. things to go around. Oh yeah, Lord. just in case it hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's nuts. Oh my God. I've never been in a tornado, but one time Bloodhead was driving across Kansas, which, if anybody knows, Kansas is one of the most boring well places on earth, aside from north or south dakota and when you drive it you don't know how long it's taking it's just it's just it's so Mm -hmm. boring so we're driving along and we're like well we all have to pee so we go we go we go to this rest stop and we all go into the rest stop and then as we come out of the rest stop we hear this you know like what is you know we'd never heard anything like it. it was coming through the speakers in the outside of the bathroom tornado warning blah 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 right and it's just super distorted and we're like what and we kind of noticed that the weather was turning bad and then we look over to the south of us and we're like that is a legit twister like it's over there oh, we no. can see, and i've oh, never shit. seen anything like that in my entire life you know what i mean this is a one-off so we're like ah you know we're from seattle ah <laughs> You know, it's like yeah, it's I like know. not being from California and getting an earthquake. You yeah. know what I mean? We jump in our van and we just drive. And I'm the one behind the wheel. And I'm just like, pedal the metal. I'm just driving. And as we're driving, and I'm not fucking making this up, there's a twister to the left of us. And I look over, and to the right, there's a twister. So we are going straight through. It was like a movie. It was like we're just driving yeah. through these Twist to the right, twist to the left, and we can literally see them happening. The rain is just coming yeah. down, and I'm just like, I'm fucking just going. And we just drove right through it. Nothing happened. Yep. It seemed like, oh, it's no big deal. But at the time, you know, I thought we were going to die. We all thought we were going to I think we totally. all thought we were going to die. This is a record for the podcast. That's three stories where we have almost yeah. died, and we just didn't. <laughs> Because we were in the right place yeah, at I mean, the right time. But like if we had been like, <laughs> Jeff, if you had been 10 minutes later through that Maybe. area, 
I don't know. I mean, twisters you are crazy. Been, you yeah, don't fucking, fucking know. tossed. You know, you know what I mean? Like, but you, yeah. we. I mean, I could see them. But the the best thing was yep. the you know that like the creepy movie style like coming out of the broken speaker. You know, warning, tornado. Mm-hmm. Uh, what? What? Is, we had to stop and figure it out. Like, what is this thing even saying? And then we were like, Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's scary, man. Is this real? Oh, yeah, it is real. <laughs> corn for yeah, days and wind. Ugh, corn. My only memory of Kansas is playing a show and pulling into town, and it was 8 p.m. and 108 degrees. <laughs> oh, dude. Hot. <laughs> it's like the sun's not even in the sky yeah. anymore. This is not okay. <laughs> Man, that's just probably way common now. Oh, yeah. This is this is like twenty years ago, you know. So, <laughs> on the way to another show, we were playing an outdoor festival. It was summer, hot. Yeah, in Canada, it was hot. It was like eighty, ninety degrees. Yeah, and I got out of the van, and I'm not kidding you. There was mosquitoes about an inch wide wingspan, oh, and they God. were very hungry. And I tasted very good to them, apparently. <laughs> yeah, and and I said, "Fuck this! I'm not going to play this show. I'm going to get eaten alive." So. They said, oh, we'll get you some deep woods off or something. And I'm, I'm not kidding you. That shit did not oh, no. work on those bugs. They're like, How no. much did you put on? Oh, I, I yeah. soaked myself with it, you know. It's like, They're like, we love deep. And it's miserable. Yeah. yeah. And then one of the last things, uh, going back to Europe with our first tour there with the band called Nirvana, we were uh, oh, rolling yeah. into Berlin for the first yeah. time. You know, the... We didn't know this, but the walls were uh, going to come down that, that what? day. And oh, there was shit. A, I did not know this story. Yeah, the, the wall between East and Germany. You played, wait, stop, pause. You played Berlin with Nirvana on the day the wall came down? Oh, my yes. God. Get the fuck out. That's insane. No. <laughs> and to boot, we didn't know what was going on. There's like people across overpasses. Germans yeah, okay. throwing down flowers over to the road, and it's like uh-huh. we look, turn and look at each other. Man, we're more popular here than we thought, you know. <laughs> and you know, jokingly, yeah, of course, of course yeah. but right. kind of like maybe, yeah. maybe they could be here for us. <laughs> but then we we heard, we saw there was a like fifty kilometers of those Russian two-stroke car engine cars oh, yeah. were just lined up to get out of East Germany into yeah. West Germany, and we played a show where. Families were reunited after however long that was, 40, 45 years. Yeah. And this oh, is a rock that I have on my holy shit. He's holding the rock. He's, that's from he's the got wall. it. A he's piece got, hold of on. the wall. Take the screen grab. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I got it. Hold on. Holy shit. And it's amazing. Obviously, it was made by the East Germans, obviously, because it's kind of crumbly still. <laughs> it was, it, that was a special time in... We didn't know the gravity of it until, you know, the end of the night. We're seeing yeah. people crying yeah. and holding each other and singing German beer songs and stuff. And I remember there's a guy that said that he'd never seen an orange before. And he was crying in a grocery store because they didn't get that kind of produce in East Germany. Wow. This is... How have, okay, listen, I consider myself, I know this is going to sound stupid, but I sort of consider myself a grunge aficionado. I've lived through it. I've watched a lot of documentaries. I have never heard this story. And I don't know why, but it it makes me super happy (laughs) to think that that was. It was amazing. You know, the gravity of it didn't, it still hits me even harder to this day. 
yeah. the gravity of what, what actually happened. It's like the end of communism starting. Yeah. And uh, people being reunited with each other. And it's just, it's another nuts thing that happened on that tour. Holy you know, very gl- blessed to have been shit. there. For yeah. Lack of a better word. <laughs> Anything else nuts I happened mean, on your European tour with Nirvana <laughs> where you, you saw the wall come down? <laughs> That was probably the topper. Yeah. yeah. Was that pre or post the Nevermind explosion? Pre. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember that tour. Wow. Yeah, they were touring Bleach and yeah. whatever that that was about that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I don't. Crazy. Yeah, I don't know how we're supposed to wrap up after that. Well, that uh, that's how you end it. <laughs> I'm non again. Awesome. I'm nonplussed. That is uh, an amazing story. That I'm glad I just fucking heard. Holy shit! Good chest too. Good sesh, guys. Yeah. You know, I loved being on your podcast, Tad, and now this is payback. This is payback, my friend. Yeah. And by that, I mean thank you for be- for being on the show. Oh, thank you, guys. Yeah, before we wrap, you should definitely um, plug what you're doing now to all the all the musicians out there who might, might need some help making a record. Okay, cool. Well, uh, I did start a label for a little short mm-hmm. time. It wound up being just digital only. It was called Incineration Ceremony Recordings based on my uh, first uh, solo record. It's a symphonic yeah. work, and it's dark and a little different than what you'd expect from I me. I think it's great. And, I love uh, those two records, Ted. I love them. There's actually four. four. Oh, so my I'm, God. I'll send you, I'll send okay, you two yeah, more. Okay, yeah, behind the times. Embarrassing. That's all right. I'm working on my fifth right now. It's about done. And this one's more synths and mm-hmm. drums oriented. So I'm playing yeah. the drums and doing everything else. It, this one's going to have a 45 to 50 minute song Sick. on it. And I, I played eight minutes straight on the drum take. And I spent all day to get the right one. Yeah. I wanted to keep it organic, so I didn't do a lot of, you know, uh-huh. edits and, you know, mm-hmm. flying shit in. But uh, like Jeff, I'm a recording engineer, and I do uh, recording, mixing, and mastering here mm-hmm. in Seattle, Washington, in my yeah. own studio with my wife called Witch Ape Studio. And you can find out more about that and other stuff at taddoyle.com. Nice. Yep. And then... One more thing to plug, I think. I've noticed a bunch of your Tad albums have been getting reissued. I just saw that. They're showing up in record stores, and I think that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. There is a live recording that I had the pleasure of mixing and mastering called uh, Quick and Dirty, and it was recorded at the Crocodile Cafe. And that came out a couple years ago, but yeah, it's it's on vinyl. Yep, it's on my. That's the only vinyl release of Incineration Ceremony uh, recording. Okay, I was looking you up just to see if I could find anything interesting about you, and that's the interesting thing that I saw. I was like, "Holy shit, what is this? I need to buy this." <laughs> no, I'll just get oh, you. Damn. One. Well, Tad, thanks so much for talking to us. Well, thank you for having me. And the interview now, and then stop recording, and then talk to you yeah. for thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thanks again, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. Bah! Yeah. Berlin Walls what coming down. <laughs> Nirvana and Ted's first tour. <laughs> there you go. Uh, rock and roll trivia that should be that was not. And now I mean that's I some trivial pursuit shit, dude. I said it during the show, but I thought I knew you know all the major grunge anecdotes, and that one was lost in time, and now it has surfaced uh-huh. on our very own podcast. If you think about like the. The confluence of events that happened there. I mean, bananas. Tad is, I mean, Tad's obviously, Tad, we love Tad. And also Nirvana goes on to be the closest thing to the Beatles that was, that is a rock band (laughs) since then. And like the fact that. To a large degree, yeah. They were there on that day during that moment. And like, I just think about like, I'm a person who lived 
in East Berlin. I've been, I've grown up with nothing but oppressive bullshit yeah. my whole life. The day the wall comes down, I take a walk and go see Tad and Nirvana in a small club. Like, I mean, there's the a chance that there's a chance that that happened to someone. I know that's I mean, so it's, insane. It's, it's few and far between. I'm sure that there wasn't hundreds and hundreds of people at that show. It was their first tour, but you know, no. people, people in Europe knew what grunge was. You know, right. I mean, it was very early on, but I'm sure there were some young people who were like, "Let's go fucking see some live music. We haven't seen live music. Let's go." I can't even. I just to be able to have that be a memory, dude. I love it. It's insane. You know what is crazy? I actually think about this a lot, is the timeline for when, I believe Infrared Riding Hood is the record that I'm thinking of. Uh-huh. The timeline for that, because it got pushed back a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And I remember, obviously I was a huge fan, um, you know, and I was, whoa, we're waiting, we're waiting for this record to come out. We're waiting for this. In the meantime, the record in the meantime came out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then Infrared Riding Hood came out. I believe this is correct. And it sounded like... Tad was ripping off Helmet, and <laughs> it's very obvious that uh-huh. Helmet was definitely fans of what Tad was doing. Yeah. You know, there was Fudge Tunnel, there was Helmet, you know, like those bands that were coming like the second wave of super heavy grunge right. or grunge right. metal or whatever that noise rock, that's the type of stuff that you and I love. Yeah. And I just remember when that record came out, it sounded so smooth and all the cool ch- 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 chunky parts and thinking, you know, I'd been watching Tad play live and I'm like, well, shit, he's been playing like that for the last two years. Yeah but no one in the rest of the world has heard it yeah. if they haven't gone to see a show. So, I don't know. That's how far-reaching is. And then Brothers of Sonic Cloth full length, when that shit came out, yep. fucking Billy Anderson production on that thing mm-hmm. was so goddamn epic. Yeah. And you and I had been seeing them live a lot. Oh, yeah. we knew how heavy yeah. they were, but then the needle drops on the record, and you'll go, you know, yeah. this is like two bands stuffed together it's so heavy. I don't even, I don't, I mean, kudos <laughs> to everyone in that band and for Billy yep. for throwing down something that brutal. You know, I'm, I'm not surprised, but it's like, that is a dark record. You know, oh, yeah. Just like, yeah, it's fantastic. so epic. Uh-huh. Go out and listen to it if you haven't. <laughs> I, I know you'll like it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Yeah, if you like heavy, slow music, God, just, just go. Just, yeah. Just go. Okay, well, we should, uh, we should wrap up. We got more interviews in the pipe. Mm-hmm. We're officially kind of slowly <laughs> yeah but season three is building we've got a couple yeah. in the can we're recording a couple more yep um, yep before we go i do want to do a quick uh, melancholy shout out to the family and friends and bandmates of gabe serbian yeah. uh, who passed recently phenomenal musician insanely talented person kind wonderful guy yeah by all accounts yeah by all accounts super bummed he was only 44 years old he's gone yeah i don't know it's just rough. When I found out, I sort of went on a YouTube rabbit hole and watched a bunch of footage of him playing in bands, and it's yeah. just... He's tearing it up. Man, man, what a fucking drummer. What I mean, he's uh, he definitely influenced a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, over the years, young kids coming up, seeing his bands, being like, uh, <laughs> yeah. can we do something like that? <laughs> totally, totally. And yeah, not to be a star fucker, but I met him a couple times, and he was just... It's nice knowing you can watch that footage... And know that he wasn't an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's yeah, just yeah. such a such a sweet guy, genuine person. And uh, yeah, I think we've we've lost a true talent, and I'm pretty sad about it. Yeah, but it yeah. was rough seeing all my friends from San Diego, their hearts oh, just man. breaking on Instagram. It's you the know, worst. not it's just the worst. feeling for everybody yeah. involved. He was in the Locust. He played drums in Headwound City. He mm-hmm. played drums in Wet Lung. He played drums in. Oh, fuck. It's all escaping me now. He's briefly in Dead Cross. Oh, He's briefly okay, the yeah. singer of Dead Cross. I don't know. Go check it out. If you haven't, if you never heard 
what he's done. Crashes. Go do it. Amazing drummer. Probably the best cymbal catches of all time. Like, you, I can't believe how I he catches those cymbals. I can't believe how he catches those symbols in there. Like, he's, it'll be, like, part of a part. It's an art just, form. It's, it's insane. All yeah. right, anyways, not to end it on a bummer, but it's heavy. Yeah. Heavy shit. It's a bummer. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'll oh. be yelling at you soon in your ears. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. Let's just put a soundtrack to the bummer, and let's play something off of Thomas Andrew Doyle, Tad's, first solo record incineration ceremony this is called lost in abysmal waters it's two and a half minutes i'm gonna play the whole thing This show is about touring musicians telling incredible stories from their lives as they remember them. Humans are generally pretty great, but we all know that memory fades over time, and that in the moment, people interpret situations differently based on their personality, background, state of mind, drugs they were on, intoxication level, etc., etc. The important thing to get across here is that at no point should these stories be considered hard facts or perfectly accurate portrayals of real events. If by some chance you were there for something that was talked about on this show or know someone who was and heard a different side of the story. If you feel we've been inaccurate or misrepresentative in any way, please don't hesitate to reach out and help us set the record straight. Tomorrow we die podcast at gmail.com. We'll read everything. And to any road warriors out there who might be listening, we want to hear your stories too. If you have a crazy moment from the road you want to share with us, then please drop us a line on email. Write it up as succinctly as possible, please. 
We don't want to read your autobiography. And if we have the time, we'll read it on a future episode. Feel free to plug yourself in the band as well. Again, the email address is tomorrowwediepodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. And once again, I'm Jeffrey McNulty. And I'm John Wisniewski. And this is Tomorrow Tomorrow We We Die. Find us on the internet. Our website is www.tomorrowwediedie.com. And remember, that's two W's, T-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-W-E-D-I-E.com. On Twitter, we're at TomorrowWeDiePC. Instagram, at TomorrowWeDiePodcast. Facebook page is at TomorrowWeDiePodcast. Our email address is TomorrowWeDiePodcast at gmail.com. And the show is published on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and SoundCloud. Podcasts produced by Jeffrey M. McNulty at the Pachinko Parlor in Seattle, Washington. Additional editing by Joe Plummer and Chris Dury. Background music is by Noel Frequency Impulsor. Tomorrow We Die is produced in partnership with Ruinous Media. Check out the rest of the Ruinous Media family at ruinousmedia.com and on all the major social media platforms. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>